Welcome to the Pure Creative Force Podcast. I'm Christy McNabb, your host. There's a pulse of creativity running through each of us. It's our job to honor and activate it. Creativity is the antidote to the ills, struggles, and challenges we see in our lives and the world around us. The act of creating and bringing forth something new dissolves the old and useless ways. Join us and discover how to unleash the pure creative force within. Hear from fellow creators about their process and learn how to keep elevated. Be inspired to go create. In today's episode, I interview Megan Haskell, an award-winning author of the Signore Chronicles, content director for OC Writers, a network of published and aspiring authors, and the mother of two young children. Escape with Megan into myth, magic, and mayhem. She's been a fantasy reader for as long as she can remember and has loved joining extraordinary adventures in the written word, imagining herself alongside heroic men and women, fighters and warriors who strive to improve the world or at least kill the bad guy. She brings new fantasy adventures to life, giving readers a safe escape from daily reality. In the last three years, she has written and published four full-length novels, three short stories, and co-written and published a nonfiction guidebook. Listen in as she shares her creative process as a writer and her mastery of the business side and time management. Here's our interview. Welcome, Megan, to the Pure Creative Force podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. We're excited to have you. Share with us your journey from being a straight-laced number cruncher <laughs> to a independent fantasy fiction author accompanied by a few carnivorous pixies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so I have an interesting background. I actually have always been a creative person. I played piano. I played music all growing up. You know, I, I enjoyed taking art classes and doing all of that stuff too, but when I was in college, uh, originally I wanted to be pre-med and that didn't work out. So I still wanted to have that kind of, um, I don't know, the, the, the challenge, I guess, really is what it was of the numerical number crunching side. So I actually majored in finance, <laughs> which is about as far from writing as you can get. Yeah, um, <laughs> just about. So, um, but then what happened was I I started working for one of the big accounting firms and I had um, this job that was all spreadsheets, all numbers, very data intensive, very, um, you know, just very left brain. And I also had a train commute. So I used to travel from Long Beach to downtown Los Angeles on the Blue Line um, light rail train. And so I found myself craving some kind of new creative outlet. I couldn't really, I didn't really have time when I got home to, you know, play piano or do any of that stuff anymore, which I had always enjoyed. And I've always, always, always been a huge reader and I've loved fantasy and I've loved, like, I used to literally read like three, four books a week. Um, that's like full length wow. novels, you know? So that's, <laughs> that's the, my, my, where the, the writing side of it came into it. And it was something that I could do on that train ride. So I started initially a couple of blogs, you know, that uh, one was on gardening, <laughs> which didn't work out very well. Um, and then, and then I started reviewing fantasy books. So I had a, a book review site for a little while. 
but ultimately I just found myself wanting to create new stories. So I would write little stories about the people on the train and I would make up things in my head. And I started about seven or eight novels, you know, while sitting on that train and it became a habit. And the more I did it, the more I wanted to do it. And, um, so then in 2012, I had my first daughter and I decided that I no longer wanted or that I wanted to stay home with her, at least during the early years, you know, so I, I didn't want to be taking that commute anymore. I didn't want to be spending, you know, 12 hours away from home and away from my baby. So I quit my job. And about three months after she was born, I had the idea for this character and it kind of took off from there. So yeah, so I started working on my The Signore Chronicles, which is my fantasy series, in the summer of 2012, uh, after my first daughter was born. <laughs> right. So Re was that the character that started yeah. to come forth? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She was, she was, and she came to me fully formed. I knew exactly what she looked like and like who she was as a person. She was this human who'd been sort of always an outcast, raised by elves, and so I had her, and then I went through three or four months of world building, which is yes. really just asking questions about the world that she lived in. You know, so if she's human raised by elves, why are humans not equals? Why are they treated as servants? What other realms are there? If there's a fairy realm, where you know, what other creatures are going to exist in this world? And so I went through that process for several months, not writing actually any of the actual story. I mean, there's plenty of background material, but not writing any of the story until, you know, probably late, late 2012 or early 2013. And then, um, you know, kind of, and then started actually learning the craft of writing a novel and finishing it and all of that. <laughs> Amazing. And you've got three books, three in the series, and there's a fourth Actually, four. So four in the series so far, plus a um, prequel short story, as well as a companion novella. So the novella is a different protagonist, but it's a parallel story that occurs basically during the time period of books two and three in the series. Mm -hmm. So Amazing. that's the series so far. Yeah. Great. Great <laughs> what was it about that time during your commute that woke up your inner creative voice? Well, like I said, I think my job was so heavily left-brained that it was like, it was a craving. I needed something, you know, and of course I needed something that I could take with me that was portable. So it was, so I think that was a large part of it. And then, you know, I've always had a good imagination. And like I said, I've always been a reader. So when I started to tell these little stories about the people on the train, you know, there was a, there was a guy who every day I'd see him every day and every day he would sit down and he would fall asleep within 30 seconds of sitting down. And like, <laughs> now I don't know if he was actually asleep or not, but so I started creating these stories. Well, why is he so tired all the time? You know, what's going on? It's a different life, you know? And so it kind of just, it was that imagination, that question, that curiosity, and then telling stories around it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Share the highlights of your publishing journey. So publishing has been interesting. Um, again, because I have a business background and a you know finance degree and thought I knew probably a lot more than I actually did when I got started, um, I wanted to do the independent publishing route. 
Um, so you knew I, that right away. I knew that, well, not right away, right away, but as soon as I started researching the publishing industry and what it would take to get an agent and go the traditional route and what the financial expectations were on that and the workload and the decisions around it, I wanted more control. I wanted, I am, I I like to joke I'm a split personality um, (laughs) because on the one side, on the business side, I am very organized and I'm very number heavy, very, you know, I like data. I like spreadsheets. I really like spreadsheets. Yes, you do like spreadsheets. (laughs) (laughs) um, I really like them. And so, so I always enjoyed that aspect of it as much as the writing and the creative side where I'm actually less organized. I am not a plotter. I don't, you know, do a structured outline of the entire book or the entire series. I kind of have to see where the story goes. Otherwise I get bored. So it's this kind of juxtaposition, but because of that background and because of that spreadsheet liking personality that I have, um, (laughs) it, it made sense for me to go the independent publishing route. It really did. So once I realized all of that, I started going through the process and it's one of those things I'm learning something new still, you know, I'm, I published the first book in February of 2015. So I'm three and a half years in at this point. And every single day I learn something new about publishing or book marketing or how to do this whole thing better. And I failed a lot, you know, there, I made a lot of mistakes along the way as well, but that's all part of the process. So as far as like the independent publishing process, it's really a matter of being your own project manager and making sure that you're staying organized. I don't like the term self-publishing for what I do because I don't do it by myself. Mm -hmm. I manage the project. I run the business. It's my business, but I hire people to do a lot of thing, you know, work for me. I don't design my own covers. I am, I am, I, as much as I've enjoyed taking drawing classes in the past, that's the extent of my visual art capabilities. And I'm not, so I'm not a visual artist. And so I hire out a cover designer, you know, I have to hire an editor to make sure that the words are, you know, there are no typos, there are no grammar errors, that the words are as clean and polished and pretty as they can be. So I, it's independent publishing. It's running my own business. And that's, for me, it made a lot of sense. For some people, it doesn't. And that's totally fine. Uh, For some people, it's better to try the traditional route because they don't want that level of involvement. But I wanted to make all my own decisions. So Mm -hmm. for better or worse. (laughs) And you wrote a book uh, with a co-author to help other authors decide, do they want to go the traditional route or do they want to go independent? Right. I did. Yeah. So it's called Publish, Take Charge of Your Author Career. And I co-wrote it with Greta Boris, who is a um, traditionally published author. She has a seven book contract with a small press. And what we, we also jointly run a local writing community called OC Writers. Um, And as we were working with the community, we kept getting a lot of the same questions. And we realized we have a very unique perspective because we are so closely connected, the two of us, and we both have different paths to publication. We were better able to help new, especially new authors, but also authors interested in transitioning from one path to another um, or trying something different, giving them an overview of what they need to think about and what they need to decide and a way to assess their own skills so that 
they can make that best choice for them and for their project. Because like I said, it's not, independent publishing is not for everybody. It's, it's really not. I mean, there, there are authors that will go up on their high horse and they'll say, everybody should be indie publishing. And otherwise you're not going to have any kind of financial success. And you know, the traditional, they're taking advantage. And that's kind of true, but it's also true that some authors, that's not their goal. So if you know your goal, then you can do what's really best for you. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Great. (laughs) What's your creative process? Ah, creative process. So, (laughs) you know, it's, it, it ebbs and flows. I go through the seasons of Meg, as I like to call it sometimes. So it depends on what part of the publishing, and I'm going to use publishing as a very broad term, but what part of the publishing journey I'm in. So for right now, I'm working on a new, I'm actually working on a new trilogy. It's a new series related, but I'm in that first draft stage. So everything is very much about getting words on the page. You know, I I still have to do some of the business stuff. I still have to do some marketing things. Obviously, I'm still doing things like podcast interviews and, you know, I I run Amazon ads. I'm doing that stuff, but it's not the focus, right? So it's words on the page. So right now, um, my target is 2,000 words a day, five days a week. And sometimes I make it and sometimes I don't, but that's my goal. And when I, so when I sit down, it's, it's a matter of, I sit down, I open up my laptop, I reread, you know, whatever I'd written the day before or the session before, because sometimes I have multiple sessions throughout the day, but I reread what I had just written. Then I do um, what I like to call a brain dump, which is where I'm basically trying to visualize the scene and get in it, like physically in it. So actually I have a great story for when I was writing book four, a lot of it was set in the mountains. And so I would do this brain dump and I would get cold. Mm. I would actually physically get cold, <laughs> even though it was hot outside or hot in my room. I would physically get cold because I was writing about snow and snowflakes on eyelashes. And these brain dumps are not intended to be used directly in the book, but they're ways to open up your creativity so that you're not editing yourself anymore. So that you're letting that, that, whether that's your subconscious or an external force, whatever it is, it's flowing through you. You're reducing those blocks. And so I don't write with sentence structure. There are no periods. There are, you know, capitalization goes out the window. Half the time I close my eyes and I just type whatever comes to my head, but it's all focused on that scene. And by doing that, I get all the sensory detail that I want to include, all the emotional impacts you know, the setting, the other characters that are going to be involved, what their goals and motivations are, all the stuff that's never going to actually make it into the book itself directly, I can put in this brain dump. So I do that for maybe two or three minutes, not very long. And then I start writing the scene itself. And I usually try to work in 30 minute sessions. So depend every day is a little bit different because of my schedule, but I try to get one or two in the morning if I can. And then another one or two at night, um, or always really, I write at night after my girls go to bed. So that's basically my process right now. And then because I am that 
number crunching data person, I track everything. <laughs> yes. And I have your spreadsheet, which is awesome. <laughs> Yay. I'm glad it's being used. Um, yeah. And it's, it's a really pretty simple spreadsheet, but you know, it, it just lets you know, when are your best writing times? When are you getting the most words on the page so that you, then you can, again, this is the business side of me, right? You can start to optimize and maximize your efficiency when you're actually writing. So if I didn't do a brain dump and I was really slow, I'll note that on that spreadsheet as well as, you know, the time, the day, you know, the, whether or not I had a timer, how many words I actually got written during that period, et cetera, et cetera. So mm -hmm. I track it all. Yeah. <laughs> and, and back to your comment on the split personality, I think you're actually mastering both right and left brain. <laughs> I mean, you can toggle back and forth very easily and it's absolutely works for you, which is amazing. Thank what, you. Yeah. <laughs> um, what kind of, how do you motivate yourself? Like when you sit down, are there, are there affirmations you have or just things that go through your head or it's just right now it's, it's habit because you've been doing it every day for so long. A lot of it is habit. I, I don't really have affirmations, but I do get kicks in the pants by my community, <laughs> you know, not, not directly, but like I have a lot of author friends who are doing so much better than I am. And I don't take that into a point of jealousy. I take that to an inspiration where, you know, I have other writer mom friends who are doing 2,500 words a day and they're, and they're homeschooling their kids and, you know, all this other stuff. Right. And, and so I'm going, okay, if somebody else can do it, then I can do it too, mm -hmm. you know? And it's the same thing with the business side of it too. Like a lot of these authors are making much better money than I am. And it's like, okay, so what are, what are they doing that I'm not, that I can emulate and take inspiration from? So that's a big part of it for me is looking to what others are doing and figuring out how I can make that work for my own process. Now, sometimes it's also, there's different goals and yada, yada, but, but a lot of it's that, that kind of kick in the pants inspiration. Like it's, oh, Hey, that guy's doing it. Oh, I can do it too. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and then the other thing that I, I do have, um, I like to have like little thematic inspiration for the book itself. So of course I don't have my card with me right now, but uh, I'm in my husband's office rather than my own, but it's, I have this little card right now for this trilogy that says the quote is something along the lines of no one is blameless in war and no one can carry all the fault. And so that's kind of the theme of this trilogy that I'm working on right now. And so that kind of helps me just, put my brain in the right spot, if you will. So that helps kind of just let that, again, along with the brain dump, it helps let that flow start to happen. Great. Great advice. Structure and flow, discipline and ease, doing the work, allowing the ideas to come through, the, the right brain, left brain. The creative process is full of polarities. How do you do the dance between those two energies? <laughs> that's a really tough question. I don't know. I, I, for me, maybe I'm, maybe I'm odd, honestly. Like I, I wouldn't be surprised if I'm just a strange personality. It's not that difficult for me. Like I, I definitely have periods of time where I lean more one way or another, but that ebbs and flows throughout the day. It ebbs and flows based on current motivation or what I'm working on. It ebbs and flows based on the time of the year. You know, obviously like summertime, 
I don't get much writing done because I've got the girls at home or at, and during the holiday season, again, like I will be lucky if I get 500 words a day and that's cool. That's great. <laughs> you know? Um, and, and so it, it kind of comes and goes. And so when one side starts to get tired, I switch to the other. Or if I have limited time because of, like I said, holidays or whatever, you know, I have to pick my priorities. Um, but no, for me, it's just, I don't know, like I can just kind of go back and forth. I, I see the creativity in the analytical side as much as the creativity in the creation side. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a different aspect of me, I guess. Yeah. You've got the eyes to see it. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> the creative, the fantasy yeah. author who loves spreadsheets. That's. I, it is. It is odd, right? Like I, I'm not. It's oh, unique. <laughs> yeah. What's the biggest challenge or obstacle you faced, and how did you overcome? The biggest challenge or obstacle, well, for me, it's always time, right? Um, because of my choices and my priorities, which I'm, I'm a stay at home mom first. Um, I quit my job, which I mean, my, my accounting job, it was six figures a year. Like I, I left a big deal, like really good career to be home with my daughters. And so that is my first priority always. That doesn't mean that I don't wish I had 27 hours every day so that I could add three or four extra hours to, you know, the, the, the writing time and the business side. Cause I'm always trying to do better, be better, build more, have more. So for me, that that's the biggest obstacle is, is prioritizing and making sure I'm finding that right balance and that I'm not losing sight of my real goals. And my real goals are to have an income while staying at home with my girls. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And how has that creativity with your girls kind of, it must be amazing just to foster that within the house. I mean, you're a writer. I can see the music stands in the background. <laughs> yep. Yep. My, my uh, six-year-old Karen, she is learning violin right now. So that's what, what those are. And actually she does that with her dad. Wow. Yeah. He, he takes off on Friday afternoons. Um, he kind of splits his day. So he gets off a little bit early so that he can take her to violin and he's actually learning violin right alongside her. So it's amazing. But we do have a very creative household. Both girls love art. In fact, right now I have, well, we're having some housework done. And so we've got paper on the floor to protect the floor from, for the workers. And so they decided that they were going to take crayons. They asked first, thankfully, but, but um, they took crayons. They decorated all the paper all throughout the house. It's, it's so cool. And, and Karen, I, you know, she's, she takes after me in, in quite a, quite a few ways, but she, um, she's already a reader. Like she's in first grade and she is uh, reading chapter books and will stay up late at night to read her books. Always wants, she's mom, just 15 more minutes. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, read. Oh, like I, I, I remember that, but no, you have to go to bed. <laughs> you know? So it really has been amazing to see uh, their development in creatively and verbally they're both both of them so I um, Karen is six Julia is three and I've had so many comments from other adults that Julia for her age is so able to express herself verbally 
that, you know, they're, they're just amazed. Oh, well, you know, okay. I'm going to give you bigger, harder instructions because I can. I was like, okay, go for it. <laughs> you know, that's um, amazing. What a gift. So, yeah. Yeah. How do you block out distractions? It's hard. Um, it's incredibly hard sometimes. The biggest thing when I can is headphones with, I use a program. It's a website called brain.fm and it plays in, well, they say there's a scientific uh, process behind the scenes and I don't fully understand it, but essentially there's supposed to be some kind of frequency that is played throughout this instrumental music or nature sounds. You can kind of choose what you want, Um, but white noise, right? But there's this frequency that actually helps you focus within that sound. So I use that a lot uh, when I can. And then obviously it's writing when the girls are asleep is, you know, when there, when there aren't distractions. So instead of blocking distractions, I just wait till they're not there anymore. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And in those cases, it can be hard, uh, with, you know, social media and things like that. Um, you have to be cognizant of how you're spending your time, especially those little little bits of time, it adds up very, very quickly that, oh, I'm just going to go check Facebook because I need to know this one thing. And then next thing you know, 20 minutes later, you know, you're in some kind of rabbit hole where you're now looking at jewelry online, right? Like, it, you know, <laughs> yes, <laughs> it happens. Um, so you do have to be aware of that. And I find that for that purpose or for, for those kinds of distractions, using the writing sprints that I kind of talked about where I will set a timer for 30 minutes and my focused goal is to get words on the page. And so I know I can do that for 30 minutes and not be distracted. And then as soon as I start to creep over to go do something, nope, nope, it's, it's 30 minutes. I've got to keep tight, you know? And so that really, really helps. So setting those timers and those periods of time and then giving yourself permission to go explore between those timed periods, between those sprints, that helps a lot as well. What inspires you and how do you keep yourself open to creative inspiration? What inspires me, so specifically for my fantasy writing, honestly, quite often it's art or it's other writers, other books. So I find myself scrolling through DeviantArt, which is a website that has all different kinds of artists are able to post their work as kind of a portfolio. Um, and I've actually commissioned art from mm-hmm. artists on an artist on deviant art specifically for my books. But I find that very visually inspirational. It helps me imagine the scenes that I'm trying to write or think outside the box for something new or different that I'm going to write about, um, different creatures, things like that that I'm going to write about. And this, and then the same thing with other books. I try to read. I almost exclusively read in the fantasy genre, go figure. But I do try to read lots of different subgenres within that. So I'll read paranormal romance, and then I'll read a hardcore dark epic fantasy, and then I will read a comedic story about a, you know, which is familiar, who turns into a mountain lion. <laughs> you know, like I try to mix it up as much as possible within the fantasy genre because I find that those bits and pieces of things well, not that I'm not that I'm copying it, but that but the inspiration, the ideas are triggered. So ways for me to improve my comedic timing within my writing, mm-hmm. or 
improve the snark of my characters or give this character a slightly different voice or ooh, hey, that was a really great torture scene. I'm going to include that too, you know, like uh, so that kind of, ooh, that's a really cool like torture device. I'm going to make sure that gets brought in, you know. So there are, there are things that that find their way, but without, without changing my voice, I, I find that I can only write like me, but I can take those bits and pieces of mythology or creatures or settings or whatever and just kind of mash them all together in my own unique way. Mm-hmm. So visually. Yeah. What about physically? Yeah. Working out, moving? Oh, that, well, that part of that's definitely part of my um, schedule. If I don't work out, I kind of go crazy. So I find... I actually started uh, using, or I read a book, uh, Miracle Morning for Writers, and they talk about starting your day early and trying to get, to be productive early because what they've found is that by doing, you know, an hour in the morning and getting something done and being focused for that hour, you'll actually be more productive for the rest of your day. And I found that's true for me. However, with one caveat, and that is I can't write that early in the morning. I am not a morning person, but my brain does not have to be functional to work out. So, (laughs) (laughs) so that's part of my process. So not every day, but very, you know, usually four or five days a week, I will wake up at 530 in the morning. I, uh, it takes me a little while to get going, but then I'll, I'll make my way out to the garage where we have a sort of little mini gym set up. And for half an hour, I'll do a beach body video or, um, you know, some, some kind of weightlifting cardio workout and for half an hour, and then I come back in and then I can really start my day. So I wouldn't go so far as to say that I take inspiration. Well, Ah, let me, uh, I've got a caveat for that too. <laughs> um, so, so I don't necessarily take inspiration for my writing directly from those early morning workouts, but they do help me improve my flow and improve my productivity later because they give me that energy that I need. And I've gotten that out of the way. And now I'm not going to be an insane person for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say the other thing that I am doing is I'm taking, currently taking um, Krav Maga classes, mm-hmm. which is a martial art. It's the Israeli martial art, uh, modern day martial art. And so that actually is inspirational for the fight scene writing. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I'm, I'm learning what it feels like to get hit. <laughs> <laughs> it's not fun. It's not always fun. <laughs> but yeah, so and, and, you know, kind of thinking through the the physical motion of a fight has become a little bit easier since I've been doing that as well. So I do take inspiration from that, but yeah. Amazing. Who are your favorite writers and what makes them your favorites? Okay. Well, so my number one modern day favorite author is Nalini Singh. Um, and she writes a series called The Side Changeling. Currently it's, it's now she's, she kind of relaunched a uh, book at book 12 or something like that. Um, so it's now side changeling Trinity series. And I adore her because she writes paranormal romance. These are, these are pretty traditional romance books, two protagonists, male, you know, male, male, female that ultimately have their happily ever after. Right. But what she does that just blows me away is she connects every single book with this incredibly deep and well thought out, 
overarching storyline, political, it's entirely like the entire world is involved. Like there's locations in Moscow and California and um, in the middle of the ocean. And she ties it all together so beautifully. I've read her into the entire series, every book, at least once, most more than once, some like five or six times, just wow. because I want to absorb her descriptions. And, and again, like how she's bringing through all these little teeny tiny details. I think she's on book like 14 now. And she, she somehow manages to tie it all together so beautifully that you never even realize that like, I have never once caught a consistency error. It's just, it's, they're perfect, <laughs> you know, and they have the action and they have the adventure and they've got very deep characters who are real people. They feel like real people. So I really, really admire her writing and I highly recommend it for any, anyone writing a long-term series, especially with multiple protagonists. Um, Cause it's just, yeah, she's a master. So she's definitely a favorite, very inspirational to me. And then from more the classic perspective, of course, I've always been influenced by Anne McCaffrey. Um, she was one of the first, well, I mean, I read, I'd read Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit prior to reading her and a few other things, but uh, Mercedes Lackey was another one. But Anne McCaffrey, the Dragon Riders of Pern series was so influential when I was in like middle school and high school. I read those books over and over again, again, because it's that it's, giving for me it was the first time really that I'd connected with that that female heroine that kick-ass female heroine and her heroines are are real people they have flaws they're not like the perfect warrior like so many of the modern um urban fantasy you know tropes have but they're real people again and it's these stories that are so huge, huge world building, huge settings, and just amazing, amazing writing. So she was very, very influential as well uh, for me growing up and to this day. What's been your most fulfilling creation? Hmm, my most fulfilling creation. Well, I'll say this. Senori the Winter Warrior, which is book four of my series, I think was the first one where I got as close to the emotional depth as I was actually trying to achieve. So often there's a gap between what we envision and what is actually produced. And that was definitely true with, you know, my first book, because it's your first book. You want to get better with every book, right? That's just kind of a fact of the matter. And if I could go back to book one and I could, but I won't, <laughs> um, to change it, like there are some things that I would change about it, or I'd, I'd rewrite certain scenes, um, not because they're bad, but because I can do it better now. But with book four, The Winter Warrior, I was, I don't know, there, there, I actually, there was one scene I wrote where I actually cried as I was writing it. And like I said, I, like, I actually got cold writing it because, you know, I was so in that story. And so it's very emotionally charged. So I think that's my favorite so far. Mm -hmm. But I'd also like to say that every book is built on the last. So hopefully the next book that I'm working on now will be my new favorite. Of course, you know, your, your appreciation for your own work ebbs and flows like everything else. Yes. So, <laughs> so hopefully, you know, right now I'm kind of in a, I'm not sure this is going the right direction, but, um, but I, you know, I think 
like I said, you want every book to be better than the last, but, but yeah. Yeah. Cross my fingers. (laughs) Are there any stories to share about writers that you've inspired through your books and author events, encouraging people to go for it or even beyond writers, just encouraging people in your life when they see what you've done? Like, well, I, I could do that. I get inspired by that. Yeah. So actually, so there've been a couple and, and I won't name names cause I don't know how comfortable they would feel with it, but there's a woman who, um, I've become friends with through my daughter's Taekwondo classes. And she is similar to me, a stay at home mom, you know, and was kind of feeling like she needed a new outlet, a new something. And so now she's actually, she's helping me with, with our blog now, and she's doing a lot of great work and she's feeling, you know, she told me that she's been really um, inspired to make a go at it and to find that time and to find that energy and to, to try it, you know? Mm -hmm. So she's actually come to a lot of my events now too. And, and uh, she's been very supportive of me, but at the same time, she, I think is getting out there and, and feeling like she can move beyond just, and I hate to phrase it this way, but just being a stay at home mom, because we all need our own thing as well. We need to be more than just mommy because otherwise you start to feel trapped, mm-hmm. um, I think. And, and so she's I th- starting to move out and get, do that more, which is awesome. So I've been really proud of her and her work and how she's, you know, tackling making good habits and and that kind of stuff as well. And then just in general, you know, I think through OC writers and uh, the courses that we teach, I come into contact with a lot of writers and I don't know, I mean, it's hard to know who you've inspired and, and what they're taking away from those, those courses and the things that you're teaching. But like I was at Southern California writers conference um, last month and there there were writers who were there at, in San Diego in February who come back for the Irvine conference and they came up to me and said, I loved your course. I'm taking it again because I want to learn more or see what you've updated. Or they reach out and say, hey, I just have a question about this one thing. Can you help me out? And the fact that they remembered me and mm-hmm. came and reached out and, and talked to me, that's so cool. So So I do think I am helping and I find that that valuable because most of the time I don't get paid or I don't get paid very much to do it. Um, you know, with the Southern California writers conference, we get conference admission, which is awesome. And we get a dinner, which is awesome, but (laughs) you know, it's like, I'm doing it because I want to give back and help people in the same way that, that the instructors at those conferences or the classes that I took helped me when I was getting started. And it's kind of that, that, Right, rising tides lift all boats concept um, that I that I look for, and that you know, it's the it's the same thing with volunteering, right? Like you get there's that sense of giving back that just is fulfilling. Mm-hmm. And I'd say there's also an energy transmission. I mean, because of the work and the the day to day, the habits that you have and how you approach your craft that comes through in more than just the tactical advice you can give to someone. Yeah. Well, thank it's you. A, yeah, yeah that's I, amazing. <laughs> thank like, you. I, I attended the workshop with you on time management. It was right. Like, yeah, go home and let's, <laughs> let's do this. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and that's great. And, and I've discovered, I didn't realize how much I would enjoy teaching. And 
I really do. I really, I like being out there and answering questions and helping people and talking to people and also learning from, from the attendees because they always have great ideas as well or advice that they can give, feedback they can give about the course or, you know, other things other ideas, new productivity tips for the, for the productivity course that I teach. It's like, oh, well, have you thought about doing it this way? Oh, no, let me add that in, (laughs) you know? So it, it does, it's, it's definitely a give and take. It's a communal energy transfer. I I like that, that thought. What's next for you? (sighs) So next, um, well, I'm going to be teaching more and, um, and then, of course, I'm always working, always pushing forward on my writing as well. So um, I am now working on this trilogy. It's a prequel trilogy that uh, this. So the first book features um, two of the characters, secondary characters from the Senyari Chronicles, and it's Caruthanor and Lewin, who are the protagonists, basically foster parents. And so it's their story from ancient history back before there's this great Elvish war. It's the Elvish Wars trilogy is what I'm currently calling it. I don't know if it'll stick, but stuck so far. Um, So I'm working on that and I'm going to do the entire trilogy in advance and release it sometime next year, hopefully. So it's going to be kind of a gap between releases now, but I think it's going to be I think it's going to be good. It's very epic. It's very, it still has my flavor, that action-packed, you know, um, storyline with the big world building and big settings and stuff. But, but it's definitely more epic. There's more political maneuverings and um, the characters are more involved with that. And, and then later characters I'm, I'm going to have fun with. There's a spy that I get to write. First time I get to write a spy, like a <laughs> spy. So I'm having fun with that project as well. And so that'll probably be coming out I'm guessing at this point, it'll be late 2019 that that comes out. Awesome. And then, you know, just, we're still doing OC writers. We've got the blog that I now manage, although my friend is helping me do the the detail work on that, which is nice. I needed a little extra help and trying to continue to make OC writers a resource and a hub of communication for writers at all levels and trying to expand on our offerings there so that we're including, we want to make sure we're including poets as well as screenwriters, as well as novelists and nonfiction writers and and trying to give information for any, all writers, you know, so that they all have a place where they feel like they're at home. And that's the goal with that. Great. What are your top three pieces of advice for creatives? Well, I think number one is make sure you find your inspiration. So whether that's by traveling or by walking your dog or scanning deviant art like I do, make sure you're fostering those experiences that will influence your work. So that just helps the creative work itself, I think. And then if you really want to make a go for it if you really are trying to ultimately turn it into a business and turn it into a career and have it be the thing that you do, right? So that, you know, hopefully at some point get rid of the day job or, or whatever, you have to make it a habit and you have to make it a priority. If you don't do that, then it's a hobby, which is fine. And there's nothing wrong with, with having it be a hobby. Um, 
a lot of people, that's, that's the best way forward for them. You know, they have their day job and then they do this on the side when they can. But if you want to make it a career, if you want to make, make it work for you, then you have to make it a habit and you have to do it every day or very nearly every day with on a schedule. And it sounds so confining and like you're putting yourself in a box to do this. But what I have found is that it actually opens you up because what ends up happening is your brain knows that this time at this place, when I'm going to sit down and do this, oh, it's, it's creative time. And your brain opens up and you can more easily access that flow state than you can if you're just waiting for the quote unquote muse to arrive. Instead of waiting for her, you're inviting her in. So for me, that's, that's really key. It's, it's making the habits, making a priority. Sometimes you're going to have to make sacrifices. I don't play video <laughs> games anymore, which were like <laughs> my thing that I loved prior to having kids. But you know, I can't play video games anymore because that time would take away from my writing time. Mm -hmm. And so I have to make that a priority. So I'm not sure if that was three, but (laughs) powerful pieces of advice. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Listeners can purchase your books, uh, become a Patreon supporter. Mm -hmm. How else would you like to stay in touch? Um, Well, so I have a website. It's meganhaskell.com. You can find out more about my books there as well as uh, there's, you know, sign up for my newsletter. You'll get, if you sign up for my newsletter through my website, you get Pixie Tamer, which is the short story prequel um, for free. So there's that. And then I'm also on Facebook. Uh, Megan Haskell author is my page. And that between the newsletter and Facebook, those are the two ways that I am most active and most communicative. I just started the Patreon recently, so I'm still working on that, still building that, trying to make that a habit because I sometimes forget to post there because I'm so used to posting on Facebook and other places, but but I'm working on that. And Patreon supporters, different levels, but you can get some behind the scenes pictures. I've got some of my horrible little sketches that I've drawn out of like I posted one just recently of the of the King Othin's sigil his little the crest if you will that that's on all his delivery of all his guards and stuff so I was sketching that out so I posted that you can also get long excerpts of the work in progress and the higher levels you actually get uh, free ebooks in advance of release and or even free paperbacks of your choice so that's the Patreon. And, and then there's ocwriters.network if you're interested in the writing community. And our nonfiction book is Publish, Take Charge of Your Author Career. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. This was a lot of fun. I don't always get to talk about creativity in this way. You know, a lot of my, a lot of my courses and a lot of my you know, author friends and stuff. We talk about the business actually more than the creative side. So this was fun. (laughs) Yeah, good. Well, thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Megan, for your creative insights and wisdom. Visit Megan at MeganHaskell.com. That's M-E-G-A-N-H-A-S-K-E-L-L.com. And check out the Signore Chronicles on Amazon or your favorite book purchasing site. 
And if you're enjoying the captivating mantra tune, check out our featured musical artist, Osley, on Instagram. That's O-S-L-E-E underscore music. Thanks for joining us on the Pure Creative Force. Be inspired and go create something new today.